1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another brand new episode of the Casual Criminalist. I, as always, I'm your host, Simon. What happens here is Callum has written me a script. This one's called the Westfield Watcher. Uh, As far the only Westfield I know isn't Westfield; it's a giant chain of uh, shopping centres. So uh, there's one near my house. (laughs) Some guy murdering people in shopping centres. I don't think that's what it's all about. Uh, It's probably actually a place called Westfield or some such. Anyway, ooh, ooh, exciting. Before we get started, I will say that this episode is brought to you by our glorious sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Yes, that's right. You can go to surfshark.deals forward slash criminalist and enter the promo code criminalist for 83% off and three extra months for free. Until I started doing this podcast, I don't think I'd have been able to reliably spell criminalist. <laughs> Because i'm such a small brain again Surfshock.deals forward slash criminalist a vpn allows you to uh it enhances your internet experience i'll tell you more about it in a little bit but basically i mean the big (laughs) the big thing the big selling point for me at least is it gets you more netflix shows which is always nice uh but for now you're watching this show so don't leave yet please until the end i need that sweet sweet watch time or if you're just listening to this as a podcast welcome as well this is of course broadcast on youtube and on the podcasts. Let's just jump into it, shall we? Uh, If you're new, I've never read this before. This is what someone told me is called a cold read. So I'll read this. We'll explore the story together. Let's get into it. Moving into a new house should be a happy occasion. I mean... It's really intense though, because all your shit gets put up in boxes and moved somewhere else. It's like, yeah, it's nice to have a new house. And it's also like, oh, for fuck's sake. Despite all the crushing stress of moving your stuff, decorating and dropping a huge amount of cash. Yes, exactly. it's very bittersweet and then after all that it's the quality of the neighbors that can make or break your new life real estate agents will rarely mention if the guy next door to you is a convicted arsonist who enjoys late night bagpipe jam sessions but so you'll only find out after you've committed is it true in the u.s that there's like the sexual it's a sexual offenders register right where you can look up and you can see where you're living and be like let's see how many pedophiles are nearby and it's like that's pretty intense Uh, i don't think there's something like that in europe um i mean it'd be pretty useful, but it's also like, I don't know, I'd also be afraid to find out who my neighbors are. Anyway. But if you're sick of your crazy neighbors, then today's episode will prove that no matter how bad it is, it can always get worse. This is the story of an American family whose shot at suburban bliss turned into a terrifying ordeal that nearly destroyed their lives. This sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. I mean... Wait, (laughs) you're 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 listening or watching the Casual Criminalist? It's like everyone sounds like the beginning of a horror movie because it's usually worse than a horror movie. After moving into their dream home, an anonymous stalker launched a campaign of harassment against the couple and their children, with no idea who was behind it. Every single one of their neighbors became a potential suspect. They uh, this sent the family down a rabbit hole of fear and paranoia as they struggled to untangle the mystery of the Westfield Watcher. Dream home. The setting for this domestic nightmare was the quiet, affluent town of Westfield, New Jersey. Good, I'm glad it's not a shopping center. (laughs) I mean, for me, for these people, it sounds like a horrific nightmare. Just 90 miles from New York, this safe little town of 30,000 is mostly home to wealthy city workers and their families. The average house price is around $850,000. Damn. And properties are forever in high demand. So when John and Andrea Woods decided to sell their historic mansion on the boulevard, one of the town's most desirable streets, they knew it would fetch a good price. The six-bedroom house was built by a wealthy local historian in 1905 and boasted one of the biggest plots of land in town. So it's going to be well over 850k, isn't it? If that's the average house price, oh, this is a nice neighborhood. On the face of things, number 657 was a perfect family home. Spacious, attractive, and surrounded by other couples with young kids. That's how it appeared to Derek and Maria Broadus when they went to view the property in the spring of 2014. Oh, this is super recent as well. She was born, I mean. It feels like 2014 wasn't that long ago, but then again, you're like, that's like seven years. God damn, time flies. She was born and raised in Westfield, and he was a native of Maine, who moved to New York in order to pursue a career in insurance. When their firstborn came, the couple decided to move back to Maria's hometown to settle down. They lived in another property across town, had two more kids, five, eight, and ten at the time. With Derek's recent promotion, they decided to set their heights on an even more impressive family home. The bidding war was tough, but the Broaduses They eventually won out, paying a cool $1.3 million for 657 Boulevard. They planned on decorating the house over the summer and moving in later in the year. And despite being almost 110 years old, the place was in fantastic condition. The only problem so far was a bit of a leaky basement. The family brought in a bunch of contractors to renovate the place to their liking, preparing for this big move that would come to define the rest of their lives, although not for the reasons they expected. That's because this house came with a bit of baggage. That couldn't be sorted out with a simple bit of elbow, elbow grease. Yeah, this is scary. Like, at the moment, I'm like, I'm uh, early stages of having a family. And we like, current, I currently live in an apartment with my wife and a uh, young daughter. And it's like, we're looking for houses. And it's like, yeah, you go and see them and you're like, oh my God, why are the neighbors of it? Now I'm na- before I wasn't, before I wasn't thinking, oh, why are the neighbors of murderers? <laughs> now I'm going to be like, why are the neighbors of murderers? They're probably not, though. Statistically, it's unlikely. But what if they are? Welcome to the Neighborhood In June 2014, three days after getting the keys, Derek visited his new home alone in the evening to do a bit of painting. He decided to check the mailbox and found a handwritten envelope inside. Westfield was a friendly place, so he assumed it was just a welcome note from one of the neighbors. And he was kind of right. On the front of the envelope were written the words, The New Owner, in clumsy handwriting with a thick black marker. Inside was a typed note folded neatly which read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Dude, this is already like, what are you talking about? My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It's now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Oh my god, it's already mega creepy. (laughs) I'll be like, oh no, what have I done? (laughs) That would be the point at which i run out the front door never to return, except... Except you've just dropped $1.3 million on a house. And not only are you in for that $1.3 million, But you're in for all of the looking, all of the hassle, all of the fees, all of the b***** shit. But now I'm becoming intimately aware of, of buying a house. And so like, good lord. You wouldn't, I, if, if this was me, I wouldn't leave. I'd be like, oh, there's someone crazy. And then I'm, I know I'm going to regret my decision. But I'm with, uh, what's his name? Boulevard, Broadus at Boulevard, Brodus Brodus's. These people have an unusual name. Anyway. If the century old house had corpses hidden in the walls, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. As if that wasn't unsettling enough, the writer had clearly been sticking to their duties as observer of the old mansion. They made a direct reference to the minivan that the Brothers' family had pulled up in a few days before. They were watching on while the kids got their first look at the house and started debating which room they'd get. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Dude. Dude. Fuck out of my life, <laughs> what is wrong with you? The writer claimed that the house was in dire need of young blood. <laughs> what? this is a horror movie. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Callum's just writing like a spec script. <laughs> and that they had personally asked the previous owners to sell the house onto someone with children. Perhaps the darkest line in that first letter suggested they had something in store for the little ones. Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. I, okay, my dude, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Was it supposed to mean that the children were to bring life back to the house, or to be sacrificed to it? Perhaps the latter, because whoever wrote this twisted letter seemed to believe that the house had a will of its own, a will that drew the family to it and would resist the renovations, punishing the brothers' for trying to change its original features. As the writer put it, "Tisk tisk tisk, bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. This is some A-grade spine-chilling stuff. I agree, Callum. You'd have to assume, for someone to be so invested in the house, they must live nearby. Could it have been one of the neighbors that the brothers chatted with during their visit? Perhaps a parent of one of the children their own kids played with in the backyard? It was impossible to tell. The writer clearly took great joy in that fact. The letter continues. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows all the people who stroll by each day maybe I am one. That narrowed the subject pool down to about a thousand anonymous people. Not a great start. For now, Derek would have just called the writer by their shadowy alises, alias printed in cursive font at the bottom of the letter titled The Watcher. Ha, this is definitely going to get made into a movie. Also, I just, I, I, I'm imagining this house in my mind, but with the power of the internet, right? Google Earth. You can just look it up and then I can imagine, I'm sure Jen's probably, if you're watching, this uh then you've probably seen an image of the house already but uh i haven't and if you're listening i'm gonna describe it for you because i'm super interested what this house looks like oh yeah (laughs) it's the when you search 657 bull it's the first thing that comes up because of course it is and google maps zooms us all the way out and takes us over to oh it's a nice looking house i mean it's i i I guess in my mind add some old sort of gatsby style mansion but uh, it doesn't look to be a hundred years old. But it's, I mean, it's a nice looking house. It's a large, nice looking house. There we go. Isn't Google Earth absolutely incredible? I mean, damn. Okay, cool, fascinating. Picture in my mind. Let's carry on. If it could be anyone. This was just the beginning of the couple's nightmare. Derek contacted the police. He came around the house to read the letter, but there wasn't much they could do at this point. He then went to consult with Maria. They both agreed not to tell the kids that some deranged creep had their eye on them, at least not until they figured out it was a, whether it was a stupid prank or a genuine threat. If this individual really had been watching the house for some time, and also it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm my dad and my granddad, like, what is your family up to? <laughs> then so, surely this previous owners would have heard from them. Derek and Maria wrote an email to the woods who confirmed that they had heard from this person, but only once while moving out and they never felt threatened by them mm. Mm. also if i was selling the house i'd be like no 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 no, there's no crazy person no we're not leaving why is he, why do you have so many bruises it's got nothing to do with the selling of the house the crazy letters that we constantly receive and the threats and the bodies in the walls nothing because then you wouldn't sell your house ever and it's worth 1.3 million dollars Andrea Woods said that the Watcher basically just thanked them for looking after the place, even though this was the very first time they'd heard from the character in the 23 years of living there. It seemed that the maniac was far more amicable with the older couple. Still, they went with Maria Brodus to the police station, where Detective Lugo advised her not to tell anyone about the letters. The less the neighbors knew, the easier it would be to catch whichever one of them was responsible. The cops confirmed that the Watcher's letter was first processed at a nearby New Jersey Postal Center on the 4th of June, before the sale was publicly announced. That narrowed down the search radius considerably. They must have found out about the sale through local gossip, and that meant that every one of their new neighbors was a suspect, which turned the brothers' lives into a paranoid game of who done it. Maria couldn't feel comfortable anywhere in town, always wondering if one of the smiling locals was actually the sick stalker threatening her kids. At the supermarket, the gym, the park, every little glance from a stranger was cause for panic because the watcher might be any one of them. She began obsessively researching anyone who seemed even the slightest bit suspicious but to no avail. At this point, the Brodessers were still determined to make life in their dream home a reality. They returned to the house several times, often bringing along their kids to show them the progress. Maria was still paranoid that the Watcher might be waiting in the bushes at the end of the yard, prepared to snatch away one of the kids if they got too close. So whenever they played near the edge of the garden, she called them back towards the house. Yeah, it's crazy how one little letter, one little threat like that, could just turn your world upside down. And that's how horror movies work. I mean. I think, I don't know, i i i I think in my mind that I wouldn't take it seriously. I'd be like, there is some crazy weirdo. But then I'll be like, yeah, 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 but there's like that 1% chance that this is real. And then I'm always going to be like, kids, don't go in the garden! And it ruins your life. Goddamn. A couple of days after the incident, Derek invited a local couple to take a look at the renovations. Nothing major, just some fresh decorations. His heart started racing when the wife of the couple casually said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Was it a coded threat, an accidental slip of the tongue from the watcher, or just a completely innocent remark? There was no way of knowing, and if he confronted the young couple directly, Derek would just look like a madman. Yeah, you'd be like, What are you talking about? Young blood! You write me letters! They'd be like, Ah, the new people are crazy! But that was the state that the Broaddustes lived in, going half insane, but still forced to keep up appearances for the neighbors, the kids, and the sake of the investigation. Then, after a few days of living in total fear, they got their first breakthrough. Well, at least it's moving quickly. I mean, unless that breakthrough is something horrific. But you know what's not horrific? Today's sponsor, Surfshark. <laughs> Great transition there, Simon. The one thing the sponsor isn't is horrific. Well done, big brain. So, Surfshark. If you didn't know, it's a VPN. And what is it? What, what, what is it when it's fast and easy to use? So you just fire it up, and you know you use some VPNs, especially free VPNs, and you fire them up, and it's like this is so slow. I'm never going to be able to stream anything on this, what am I doing with my life? No, Surfshark, very, very fast, jam-packed with features. Also, you can run it on unlimited devices with a single subscription, that's amazing because they're like, there are some even there. yeah, you could do like multiple devices, you could do at least three, and I'm like, oh brilliant, so that covers three of my devices. What about the other 19 devices that I have? Especially nowadays, it's like, you know, you've got a tablet, a phone, um, a computer, a work computer, a laptop, am like, is this just me? But my life just seems to be many, many devices, so it's fantastic that it's unlimited. What I really love, streaming and entertainment, I have to say, is like my main use. Privacy is like a secondary use for me. If I'm- if I'm at home and I'm doing my internet banking or whatever, I'm not using a VPN. Let's just be honest about it. But the moment I go into Starbucks and they're like, free Starbucks Wi-Fi, hey, 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 I'm like, i'm either not doing anything on the internet or i'm using a vpn for privacy and security because i don't like the idea of people stealing all my money that would suck uh streaming and entertainment though that's the big one look um they've got some talking points here but i can just tell you my personal experience oh yeah they say like you know access a BBC player Although, not that you'd ever do that without a tv license <laughs> am i right and then the netflix right for me it's amazing to have Surfshark because i don't live in the us or the uk i live in prague in the czech republic and you can see on these websites they'll tell you you know the number of shows that netflix gets in different countries and in the u.s it's like it's literally like 10 times as many shows so i'm always like yeah okay let's fire up Surfshark vpn and let's jump over to miami and uh, get more options and but i was always like if you're in america surely you get all the options anyway and i wanted to watch all the mission impossible movies the new because the new ones coming up and it's that i just want to catch up on all of the movies which i've of course seen before but i love and i'm like wait none of them are available i turn off the vpn and they're all available so in this case it was like you could if you're in america and you want to watch the mission impossible ones jump over to a Surfshark vpn where i am or i guess in the rest of europe and you can see all the Mission Impossible movies. So it's not just for people who want to get more from American Netflix. It's really incredible. I was blown away by this. And uh, yeah, th- obviously for me, the amount of extra stuff I get is pretty intense. So that's pretty cool. That's Surfshark VPN. Oh, of course, there's these things that I have to mention real quick. There's no logs, of course, because Surfshark know that what you're up to on the internet is none of their business. 30-day money-back guarantee, live customer support, which is always good. He's doing out, yeah, yeah, we'll be get-, get back to you in one business day. Unless we're busy, then it'll be like 19 business days. No, 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 no. Surfshark has live support. Look, all of this stuff is fantastic. And what should you do? You must go to Surfshark.deals forward slash criminalist and enter the promo code criminalist for 83% off and three months for free. Repeat CTA. Get Surfshark VPN at Surfshark.deals forward slash criminalist. Enter the promo code criminalist for 83% off and three months for free. Surfshark, thank you for making the casual criminalist possible. We love you. Um, yeah, no, we just love you, that's all. I <laughs> don't know what I was going to say there. Let's get back to the script to Callum and this uh, story, which I, I get the feeling is going to take a dark turn because this is the cash criminal stuff to rule. The Langfords. The weekends after the first letter arrived, the neighbors decided to throw a barbecue to welcome the Brodicers and another couple to the neighborhood. Derek and Maria did their best to meet and greet all of the neighbors while secretly working them for clues. You can have no fun in your life anymore. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, great weather, new house, let's go have a barbecue and eat some steaks and burgers. But no. But no. It just turns into an interrogation. One resident, John Schmidt, made an offhand comment about the family next door to number 657, the Langfords. Schmidt said that the family were a bit strange, and when pushed to explain, he told Derek that the mother, Peggy Langford, lived there with her adult kids. She was in her 90s, and the kids were all in their 60s. The one that interested Derek the most was Michael Langford, a single, unemployed man who was diagnosed with schizophrenia in his youth. If someone were to develop a deluded friendship with a century-old mansion, that kind of diagnosis would probably help. Perhaps having lived on the street for decades, he became obsessed with prison deserving it, as it was in those good old days. And perhaps his illness made him believe the number 657 was quite literally communicating with him, and he was its guardian. Michael was intelligent enough to append the letters too, which were more eloquent than you'd expect from your average deranged stalker. The timeline also out, yeah, normally on Casual Criminals, where it's like we're reading notes from criminals, I'm like, oh my god, what What does that say? How, you need You don't even know how to spell, <laughs> you don't know how to use full stops? Why? Whereas these were very easy to read. So, yes, intelligence. The timeline also added up beautifully. The Langford Clang moved into the house in the 1960s when Michael was a child and his father passed away about 12 years ago. The people in the neighbourhood knew Michael as a harmless eccentric. He would often take a peek through the windows when renovations were underway or walk through new residents' gardens. <laughs> Hello, Michael. What's going on? Get out of my garden. But longtime time Boulevard veterans assured them that he meant no harm. Still, though, if he were sending the letters, he might think they were harmless enough, or he could have written them during a less lucid period. Yeah, I mean, I get the feeling because this guy's been introduced so early on that he's not our guy. Because, I don't know, I always think that the casual criminal is going to work like fiction crime TV shows. But, uh, he does seem like a pretty good suspect, doesn't he? The connection was too perfect to be a coincidence. Derek rushed to tell Detective Lugo, who was actually already aware of the potential lead. He assumed the harassment would stop if he interviewed Michael Langford, which he did a few days later, and of course he denied any involvement. But when the watcher made the next move, it only seemed to reinforce suspicion suspicion against him. Letters number two and three. Two weeks after the first letter was sent, Maria went to the house to check up on the renovations. There hadn't been any major incidents in the interim. A sign which a contractor placed out front had been ripped up, but that was about it. Her blood must have run cold as she opened the mailbox and saw that familiar handwriting on the front of an envelope. The message inside was even more personal than before, confirming that the watcher had kept to their word those past weeks. I bet she wishes there was like, uh, what's that doorbell company? ring um is that the big one where they put like a camera on the outside of your house so you can see who's there are we putting a little mini camera on that mailbox so fast <laughs> or like somehow just get some cctv going on or hidden stuff and then get it to the police or whatever because yeah but this was many years ago they probably didn't have ring or like they had super mini t- cctv cameras forever Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. The writer also now knew their names. He misspelled the name as Bradus rather than Broadus, which implied that he was within earshot of a conversation that they had with the contractors or other neighbors. More worryingly, the watcher had been gathering information on the children just as they promised they mentioned each one of the nicknames maria had been calling them by uh, by in the garden oh my god he was there in the garden <laughs> oh why i am pleased to know your names and the name of the young blood that you have brought me you certainly say their names often <laughs> i said, dude no the creep had even been watching as their young daughters practice painting on an easel in a covered porch is she the artist of the family They asked. If that doesn't give you the chills, my spine is chilled. It is super f***ing creepy. Then how about this one? No, Callum. (laughs) Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, would you hear them scream? Absolutely terrifying stuff for any parents here, especially since they were fairly certain who was to blame, but they could do nothing about it. Although perhaps this new letter would be the proof they required, after all, the easel on the porch was only visible from a very specific angle, either from the backyard or from the Langford House side. It would take a bit more than that to land an arrest warrant, so Derek decided to plow a load of money into his own private investigation, going deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah, this is like, I'm. it's cool that the police were into this right away, because I thought they'd just be like, it's a prank. You know, I don't know. Casual criminalist has made my, like, uh, appreciation or... Because uh, I kind of thought police, you know, they'd be kind of thorough. And I know the crime statistics are, like, bad. And it's like, yo, most crime is just unreported and unpunished. But now after doing this, I am kind of expect the police to just be like, nah, don't worry about it. We, You know, nobody, no crime, guys. But this is really cool that the police are absolutely into it. And what I was going to say is if I was this dude... Um, I'll be like I'll be getting a private investigator on that so hard just to figure the shit out and just like watch in the mailbox Just pay a guy just sit outside. Just watch the house police like really quietly watch the neighbor dude Look, he's got the money for it. He's buying the super expensive house. Like just just get it done. He sets up webcams oh, uh, uh? Yeah, okay Right. Around their unoccupied new home, having to catch Langford in the act on some sleepless night, hunched over his computer monitor. The couple also invested in private investigators, ex-FBI agents and security firms to gather information on Langford and any other potential suspects. Sound like they had a bigger budget than most actual police forces. Yeah, it's like bringing in the ex-FBI guys. It's like they're, I mean, I feel like the FBI is really on their shit. Like they know what's up. With the help of these experts, they, again, this is just based on, on movies. It's like the FBI just really seem to know their shit. They wear suits. They don't wear uniforms. They're like, you know, it's not like local detective, which I'm sure is, you know, there's good local detectives. But it's like the FBI. I saw that. What's that? Is it not, um, oh, what's the show? The really cool one where they do the serial killer interviews with the real serial killers, but it's fictionalized. God, Mind Hunter. Yeah, those FBI guys, those who I would want. With help of these experts, they compiled a map of the surrounding area, showing how long each occupant had been living at their homes. The watcher made repeated references to observing and visiting the house in the 60s. And guess who was the only family to have stayed that long? Ex-FBI agent Robert Lanahan analyzed the letters, asserting that the writer probably wasn't a direct threat, but could certainly act unpredictably. The style of the writing also suggested an older person with literary interests. And they were quite clearly obsessed with preserving the state of the house and potentially the town itself, like a Psychotic Homeowners' Association (laughs) president. As they dug deeper into the case, a third letter arrived, which read, The house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls." With a lot of circumstantial clues pointing to the house next door, Derek and Maria managed to convince the police to take further steps against Langford. With Detective Lugo, they hatched a plan to trip the Watcher up. Good. They sent an announcement to the Langford home, claiming that they were preparing to rip down the house and build it anew. Surely, that threat would have driven the Watcher into a rage. If they could coerce him into incriminating himself, then the nightmare would be over. But perhaps the trap was too obvious, as it never provoked a response. That, or Langford, genuinely wasn't the right guy. I'd have gone for something maybe softer. Like, uh... Because demolishing it just seems to make it a bit unbelievable. But, like, if you said, like, we're gonna, you know, repaint it, we're gonna redo the roof, we're gonna be you know there's we're gonna i don't know put a conservatory on it or something that will disturb you that feels a little bit more believable than a rather straight up we're demolishing it which seems you know baity for sale somewhat haunted Derek and Maria were at a loss. 2014 was at an end, and they were still no closer to a satisfying conclusion. They now had to decide whether they'd move into number 657, potentially risking their children's lives, or cut their losses and move on. That third letter actually made the decision pretty easy, as the watcher seemed to be growing more and more volatile. 657 boulevard is turning on me it's coming after me i don't understand why what spell did you cast on it it used to be my friend and now it is my enemy i'm in charge of 657 boulevard it is not in charge of me i will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again it will not punish me i will rise again uh weren't there webcams like couldn't we have couldn't these webcams be recording stuff like on a 24-hour loop like i have the security cameras in my office and they record everything and then you can go back and then it's like, if, if something's happened, you can go back over the last, I think it's 24 hours or whatever. And then it just deletes it. Like, so it's always cycling. So you can always call back. Like a dash cam or something. I guess this was like a little while ago. Seven years ago, didn't we have this? Oh, like, I'm sure they were expecting. He was hiring FBI agents. Like ex-FBI agents. That is not cheap, I'm sure. So, yeah. Why didn't we do that? Come on now. It must have been one truly awful interior designed to piss the house off so badly. Naturally, they decided that living under the shadow of this unstable stalker wasn't worth the risk. But by this point, their old home was already sold, so the family moved in with Maria's parents for the time being. Derek continued to go back to 657 Broadway to shovel the driveway over winter, lest the neighbors file a complaint with the homeowners association. The place remained a constant drain on their finances and mental health, resulting in Maria being diagnosed with PTSD. On the advice of a therapist, they decided that there'd be far better off without the house in their lives, so they put it up for sale just six months after buying it. At first they tried asking enough to cover the recon- uh, the renovation costs, but by now rumours of the Westfield Watcher have begun to spread. Oh no, no, it's like no one wants to buy a house with a crazy dude. It's why those previous guys, the woods, they were like, no, there's no man, there's definitely no, there's haunted, what are you talking about? There's just a psycho, not really. Real estate agents heard whispers of a sexual predator harassing the occupants or even past murders and ghostly happenings. Oh my god, have you looked in the walls? (laughs) But really, this was no Amityville horror. It was just the twisted hobby of someone mean-spirited and deluded enough to want to toy with the family's sanity. It's worth noting that absolutely nothing was found in the walls. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry to destroy that your hopes for that shocking twist. To try to front-run the gossip, the has decided to partially disclose the existence of the letters and offered to show the creepy correspondence to any buyer before they pulled the trigger. Of course, this meant dropping the asking price by about hundred thousand dollars. Oh my. A hefty financial gut punch, but not some, but not that big of a discount when a potential murder stalker is included in the package. Yeah, if someone showed me those letters, I'd be like, there's absolutely no way I'm buying that house. Even if it's half the price that it should be, I'm not doing it. If they're like, I, I feel I'd definitely buy like a house that's haunted. If someone's like, yeah, 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 this house is definitely haunted. There's all sorts of... Cr- People have been murdered in this house. Like, three families have been murdered or, like, died in mysterious... No, then i will be like, there could actually be someone who's killing them. But if so, if the house is just haunted, I'd be like, yeah, I'll absolutely take it. Because there's no such thing as ghosts, <laughs> all right? Yeah, it's just a great deal. That was actually a pretty kind move, because in New Jersey, there's no legal obligation to disclose such a thing. Oh my god, the Woods is definitely didn't disclose everything then. <laughs> i mean i was thinking i was thinking there might be some like a legal thing to disclose and they'll be like just burn the letters they never arrived (laughs) just please no (laughs) because a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the price bump would be or loss would be it's a lot of money Derek and Maria wondered to themselves if they would have gone ahead with the purchase if the previous owners had told them about that letter they received from the watcher in their final days there. They decided to launch a lawsuit against the woods, saying that they withheld information that put their children's lives at risk. Their lawyer aimed to keep things quiet, but this turned out to be the spark that blew the story onto the headlines of primetime TV news. Uh Uh-oh. And, uh, well, if you're disclosing the letters anyway, then I guess it's not that big of a deal. This would be a perfect house for some old people who have no young blood, wouldn't it? The Alternative Theories As if they weren't under enough stress already, the broader says, yeah, didn't the woman have PTSD? I mean, shit. Uh, now I had to do with reporters harassing them, news vans parked up and down the boulevard, and every detail of the lives was being poured over by online sleuths. They could no longer just hide their story from the kids, forced to explain to them that Mummy and Daddy had been locked in a battle of wits with a diabolical stranger that wanted to hurt them. At this point, I'd be like, wait, the online sleuths are looking into this? I'd be like, great, <laughs> like, please, help me, online sleuths, who is this f- Once the news was loose, the wild speculation began. Every single person in Westfield now knew about the strange story that had been unfolding right under their noses, and everyone had their theories about who the mysterious menace in their midst might be. The frenzy around the case became a catalyst for the emergence of all that repressed antisocial angst bubbling under the veneer of that well-to-do town. Do you think the person writing the letter just wants a real bargain on the house? (laughs) They're like, no, 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 I wanted this house for less than these guys paid. So I'm going to write these crazy letters. They're going to be forced to be about in six months. And then I'll sweep in with a really low ball offer. I mean, that would be a colossal, colossal douche move. But also you would get that house pretty cheap. I mean, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, (laughs) don't do that. I don't want to give people criminal like that's. I don't know if that is illegal, but it definitely sounds like it should be and probably is. Probably is. But there was a positive side to the increased attention, a lot of new information started to come to light. Add to that a torrent of online sleuthing, yes, and we already have quite a few more credible theories than at first it seemed abby langford for one dna testing on one of the envelopes revealed a surprising twist a sample found and it belonged to a female this led detectives to consider michael langford's sister abby as a suspect she was a real estate agent after all and she might have been frustrated on missing out of the hefty commission on 657 oh my am i way closer with this like my previous thing about it being about money was a random off the wall guess could this be about this? Crazy. Her side job was at a department store in the town, and with the help of a colleague, a detective was able to snatch her water bottle to run a test. Unfortunately, she wasn't a match. Ah. So there was still no physical evidence linking the Langfords to the letter. Without a match for the DNA, the police went out on a limb and tested Andrea Woods, the previous owner. But that also came up negative. They even tested Maria Brodus, also negative. Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely test the wife. I mean... <laughs> Ah, uh, what's the motivation you don't know but it's like a woman close to the case yeah yeah although well, she would have touched it anyway right shortly after this the state prosecutors officially removed the langfords from the list of suspects there was no official reason giving just that they were now eliminated from suspicion even though detective lang noticed plenty of similarities between michael langford's interview answers and the watcher's narrative in those early interviews derek and maria couldn't quite believe it now they were just well and truly back at square one well they got that female dna on the envelope I mean, that's pretty useful for, like, if they find another female suspect, they can run it against that, and I guess they ran it through the, uh, that big database of DNA, right? Okay, another neighbor. So the couple got back to work. They started canvassing the neighborhood, hoping someone would recognize the handwriting on the envelope. They even hired a private security firm to help check for matches, and a forensic linguist to scour the internet, but it was all in vain. They eventually became so desperate, Derek Hart tried hiring a hacker to break into local computers via their Wi-Fi routers before you start. Sweating. No, it's not as simple as that. The process is pretty difficult, provided your security settings are tight, and it's also very highly illegal. Derek decided to abandon this approach rather than trade his haunted mansion for a prison cell. Dude, why would you admit this? Like, just do that on the down low, man. What are you doing? Now we're over a year and a half after the first letter from the watcher was sent. Derek and Maria have had to drop their asking price miserably low to attract any interest at all, which according to one theory might have been the point all along. Perhaps one of their unsuccessful competitors was ruining their property value out of jealousy. Or coming in later. It's not that unreasonable of a theory. On top of that, they were constantly tormented with the media hype, which placed their family at the centre of constant attention and malicious rumours. But it wasn't all in vain. During the course of their side investigation, one of the Protesters, uh PIs discovered... <laughs> I like how PI, when you write it down, is similar to, you know, the text. Speak for please. <laughs> I'm always going to write that please. PIs discovered that there were two registered sex offenders living in the area who weren't accounted for in the offic- original investigation. Wait, so can you not look this up on a website? Because I'd be like, I'm just going to look that up on a website immediately and be like, that's my guy. <laughs> this doesn't instantly mean that they were guilty, but it does make you wonder who else they might have missed. For example, after the Langfords were let off the hook, a pair of detectives were staking out 657 Boulevard at night. They spotted a car, slowed down suspiciously in front of the house, and took down the registration. It belonged to a woman in the next town over whose boyfriends lived on Boulevard. Get her tested with that DNA. That's why we have that DNA. Come on now. She told detectives he was into some really dark video games, one which featured a character called the Watch App. That could either be a crucial connection or the result of generic story writing, but it was certainly worth checking out. Yes, you don't have a lot of leads to go on, so look at them all. The suspect agreed to come in for an interview, but failed to show on two occasions. All the cops had on him was that he liked to play video games and once stopped to look at a house, a house which was currently on the front page of all the papers, after all, so they couldn't do any more to force him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you'd just be like, curious, curiosity. Probably not a major loss, as it was still a pretty weak lead from the outset. At least, though, it makes you wonder whether we should expand the watch's psych profile from obsessed stalker, stalker to trolling teenager. Yeah, I mean, this could all be a troll, and the amount of resources and time and everything that's being wasted is so crazy. But they haven't actually done anything other than writing letters, that's all, and a little bit of spying because they were watching that easel, which is a bit weird. Stalking, I should say, not spying. One key piece of overlooked evidence might support the latter theory. Amazingly, it eventually transpired that number 657 wasn't even the only house to receive a letter from the watcher. Oh! After the story broke, it transpired that another couple on the street received a letter from the watcher, but since their kids were grown, they never took it seriously. Ignoring the letter seemed to work, and they never received another. If the individual was truly deranged, not just bored, then I imagine that they would have persisted regardless. As the golden rule of internet forums goes, don't feed the troll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Great advice. Don't feed the trolls. Also, (laughs) really hard to live by. Uh, Ah, on Twitter, I'll just be like, I don't know, (laughs) like in moments of weakness, I'll be like, I'll, I'll go at it with the trolls. I don't know why. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Don't troll me. People are definitely gonna now hit me up on Twitter. Oh, it's usually about pronunciations of places. Um, yeah, but what I was gonna say is great advice. Don't feed the trolls, except when they send you threatening letters. That I mean, going to the police is feeding the trolls. Yes. But it's also going to the police because someone sent you a psycho letter i mean who who could blame you for that with this new dna evidence the discovery of other letters and suddenly the story stopped making sense just when we thought we had it all tied up all these complications come tumbling down on us as in the early days the watcher could now be anyone suspicion was pointed towards an elderly man that lived behind 657 with his wife and was spotted by a contractor sitting in the garden and looking towards the house one of his son-in-laws had actually grown up in the house i mean okay so there's an old man sitting in a garden and looking at the house it's like in my mind what old people do is sit in the garden and look at shit. <laughs> it's like yeah i remember my nan she's in her conservatory and she just look at things it's like okay <laughs> old people are but this was the problem it was just a small town so plenty of people had connections to the house in one way or another when everyone is a suspect it's impossible to make any meaningful progress The owners. With no clear conclusion in sight, the internet justice mob turned its eyes against one of the less likely suspects. The Broaddusers themselves. Yes, I mean, (laughs) what else would you want to do after moving into a brand new house to absolutely tank the value of the house and then sell it for a huge loss? Why? The commonly repeated theory goes that Derek and Maria were suffering from a case of buyer's remorse and thought they could wangle out of the purchase. The histories were turned inside out and every detail examined, everything from their work history to their social media profiles. This didn't exactly work wonders for their mental health. <laughs> it's like, w- so you're going to look over these people's social media to see if they regretted buying a house and then assume that they did this super elaborate. This is so unlikely. And how exactly could this ridiculously convoluted hoax actually benefit the couple anyway? If anything, we should probably be looking at the people who competed against them in the bidding war. Perhaps after seeing the house snatched away by a wealthier couple, Sangmangri bidder decided to force the house back onto the market at a sweet discount, no less. Those determined to blame the couple think they might have done it to try and sue the Woodses, even though their legal case was extremely weak since, as I mentioned, New Jersey law has no obligation to disclose the history of a house. Yet this is crazy, I really don't think it's them. Others say that the. Plan was insurance fraud, but to, the, to that I say the guy was our actual insurance executive. Yeah, that was what he did for a living. Also, I mean, just I don't think an insurance payout is going to work on this. There's going to be better ways to get an insurance payout. Don't people just burn houses down for that shit? I mean, come on. Surely he would have had a better plan to game the system than inventing a crazy story that could spiral right into the national spotlight. Unless maybe he is an insurance executive knows something that we don't know. But I don't know, if there's any insurance executives listening to this, doesn't really seem like a very likely thing, does it? (laughs) Ah, yes, the creepy letter clause in your insurance contract. No. If not that, then perhaps a movie deal. The Brothers has turned down several offers from production companies after their story broke out, but in 2018, they finally caved into Netflix and maybe you can't get the... Surfshark VPN? Ah, ah, for a reported six-figure sum who are producing an upcoming series about the ordeal. All right, that, okay, okay. Now you're seeing something, but, but, I mean, you're fairly wealthy already, right? And you're an insurance executive. It's not exactly, you know, I don't Im- exactly imagine you're some sort of clout chaser. Now, that seems a little more compelling, seeing as they did actually materially benefit from it. But at the end of the day, it would have been a bit of a long shot from the outset. Why gamble hundreds of thousands of dollars on the one-off chance that Netflix will come and save you? Yeah, also, it's a six-figure deal, so they're gambling hundreds of thousands of dollars to make hundreds of thousands of dollars? Call me sceptical on that one. Uh, Once all of the costs were counted, the whole thing was actually pretty financially ruinous for the family, especially when you factor in all of the private investigation work. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's going to be so expensive. I'm not certain the Netflix deal could completely cover those losses. For that reason alone, I find it a pretty tough sell. Callum, I'm glad you're on the same page as me. It seems ridiculous. (laughs) Although maybe people listen to this being like, oh, Simon, you wait till the end. If you know people might be familiar with this story. They're like, you just wait and see. It was them all along? It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. For Rent, somewhat haunted. Before Netflix came to save the day with a fat paycheck though, the family had to find another way to fend off the debt collectors. They managed to borrow money to buy a different house in town, but still couldn't get a buyer for 657 Boulevard since by this time basically everyone knew the story. The family felt ostracized by the community for bringing all that negative press to town, with a lot more people <laughs> it's not their fault, with a lot of people more concerned about the reputation of their well-to-do town than the fate of the Brodices. Everyone from their son's football coach to their daughter's classmates had an opinion on the family and their problems. Yeah, this is also like, is 30,000 a small town? I don't know. That's not like a ton of people, but it's not a village. It's not really small. That like small town gossip, that's going to be great. (laughs) Kind of glad I live in a giant city. Like, it's, you know, there's more people around, but it's just way more impersonal. Like, I don't know my neighbors. I mean, barely. It's like, hello, hello. That's all. I'm even in an apartment building. They're right next door to me. I share walls with them, but I don't really know anything about them which uh, I kind of prefer rather than, I don't know, gossip's unpleasant. They came up against the community at large when they submitted an application to destroy the home and build two more in its place. The family's lawyer threatened they might turn the property into a halfway house if the plan was denied, trying to twist their arm by threatening that (gasps) poor people might be living on Boulevard. But the busybodies of the street rallied to shoot the idea down regardless. Their across-the-street neighbor Glenn Dumont even called the idea the end of the 600 block of Boulevard as we know it. Yeah, I I, I, I see what Callum wrote next, but immediately I'm like, this guy's the watcher. This guy's the Watcher. Uh, which sounds like a lot like something the Watcher might say. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, the brothers were able to find another solution when the plan was rejected. Plenty of keyboard warriors had claims that they would have ignored the letters and moved in anyway, And now the family invited them to put their money where their mouths were. The home was up for rent. Yeah, all these people being like, yeah, I'll do it. Well, put yourself in their situation. Ha- if you don't... You- they had kids. They were threatening the kids. If this was just me, I'd be like, oh, f***. I'll be fine. If it was me and my wife, I'd be like, mm, more concerns. If it was me, my wife, and my kids, I'd be like, absolutely not happening, but thanks for playing. Don't be a keyboard warrior. After a few weeks, they found a family brave enough to rent the home from them, with a clause in the tenant's agreement saying they were free to leave without penalty if the Watcher kept up their games. It only took two weeks for the next uh, no letter to come. Apparently, the Watcher had gone a bit power-mad after their little victory. 657 survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher! exclamation points exclamation points exclamation points Why uh yeah you're just a crazy person so now the watcher is the leader of an army of bureaucratic arseholes huh this more violent more unhinged letter was a bit of a break from character which makes me wonder if it was even sent by the same person at all it finished up with threats made against the broadses and their tenant. maybe a car accident maybe a fire maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day yes it repeated itself like that i don't know why maybe the mysterious death of a pet Loved ones die suddenly. Planes and cars and bicycles crash and bones break. All right, mate. Honestly, that sounds like a lot of empty threats. Yeah. It's like, dude, <laughs> planes crash. All right. Yeah, they do. You're going to arrange that shit or what? Like, into the house? That sounds, I mean, unlikely. It's impossible. Honestly, that all sounds like a load of empty threats. I'm surprised they didn't claim to have shagged someone's mum. <laughs> It all makes me wonder if there was, this was definitely the original Watcher. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's Reading it, looking at the text, I mean, it's kind of eloquent, again, other than the, like, exclamation points and stuff. Like, my soldiers of the boulevards. Not eloquent. But, like, it doesn't read like a stupid person wrote it. Like the, like the other letters we see on Casual Criminalist, where it's like, dude, bro. <laughs> Learn how to use a full stop. Even if it really was the omniscient menace that terrorized the owners of 657 Broadway for so long, they never followed through on their threats. Which makes me wonder if it wasn't all the work of some pathetic fantasist all along. I mean, there's no evidence other than the letters. There's nothing other than the letters. So really, it's all fantasy so far. A Second Watcher The tenants agreed to stay in the house if the Protesters could install security cameras around the perimeter. My dudes, what? I don't understand. I don't understand how at this point there are not fences and like security cameras are not expensive. Even what? uh, Eight years ago? It's not that expensive to put in some security cameras, guys. Just do that. Come on. You, you, come on. They continued to stay for a while before leaving for other reasons and being replaced, now stayed on the market failing to attract buyers year after year. And despite the stigma, the family continued staying in Westfield, even though it meant living among people who would publicly denounce them as frauds and blamed them for damaging the reputation of the town. They almost seemed to be more on the side of the Watcher than the family. However, another mysterious figure emerged in December 2017 to put them in their place. On Christmas Eve, card-sized envelopes, just like the ones sent by the Watcher, appeared in the mailboxes of several Westfield residents letters inside chastised them for attacking the broadcasters on the internet apparently this new watcher spent most of their time watching a computer screen trawling through Facebook groups to find the most vocal most venomous enemies of the family <laughs> uh, I kind of like that though it's like oh watcher why do you harass these people and then harass the people who are harassing them what's wrong with you <laughs> but they probably appreciated that they wrote in a star not unlike the original watcher and signed off as friends of the broadest family any idea who might have sent them in 2018 Derek Brodus admitted to journalist reeves we- uh, weiderman that it was him ah okay he did it out of frustration trying to defend his family's integrity and potentially forced the critics to understand just a fraction of the turmoil they had endured yeah this must this would this would be like i understand why it made him crazy does this support the idea not crazy but like to do this it seems like you know a crazy thing to do if you had lived through this yourself but also the pressure and all that stuff for years like what four years since it began that's got to be intense does this support the idea that he wrote the original letters well not really he didn't yeah no no it's really not them I really don't think it's them. He didn't exactly hold back this information even when he knew it would be published in New York magazine. All it proves is how far from himself the whole ordeal sent Derek. Years of feeling the gaze of a malicious stranger hovering over his family drove him to near breaking point. Wrap-up. That about wraps up the story of the Westworld Watcher. Ah, there's no, that's it. Oh, it's an unsolved one. No! Okay, A Tale of Domestic Bliss Turning to Paranoid Terror Derek and Maria were able to rent the house out for several more years before finally the watchers stayed quiet enough that a prospective buyer went through with the purchase on the 1st of July 2019. The has racked up a four hundred thousand dollar loss on the property not to mention all the financial emotional and psychological damage over the years even if you would have done things differently you still have to sympathize with them for enduring that fear and anxiety for so long as the watcher said in their fourth and final letter you are despised by the house and the Watcher won. Well, that's actually up for debate. The Broaddersers will probably be able to get their lives generally back on track with that sweet, sweet Netflix money. I can only hope that some big real estate developer one day gets a hold of 657 Broadway, tears it down, and puts a beatside or a bowling alley in its place. Callum's gonna get a letter from the Watcher. Ah! Have fun watching that. <laughs> Dismembered Evendizies. Number 1. The journalist who Derek confessed his letter writer to to in 2018, Reeve Weidman, published the most in-depth, exhaustive account of this story, with exclusive access to the letters themselves. It's where much of today's info came from. If you enjoyed this somewhat condensed version, I'd encourage you to look at his excellent long-form piece on The Cut for more insights. And I guess we'll all be watching that Netflix documentary. That sounds scary. Was it a documentary or was it going to be a fiction piece? I don't know. Number two, The Watcher was recently ranked as the top urban legend in New Jersey in the local newspaper poll. Except it's not an urban legend, is it? But it's perhaps not even the most chilling story from Westfield. In 1971, accountant John List shot his entire family dead in their 19 bedroom mansion. His motive was to preserve their place in heaven as he believed they were turning away from the church. Best to get them up to the pearly gates before their souls were damned, eh? Oh my god. <laughs> That's insane. What is wrong with you? Number three. My favorite tidbit from today's research was discovering that ghosts are real. Callum, no. As far as New York real estate law is confirmed, concerned, what? A woman named Helen Ackley submitted reports of hauntings at her home to magazines throughout the 1980s. When Jeffrey Strambowski bought it in 1990, he wasn't informed and tried to retroactively cancel the contract which our friends, the Broaddusers, failed to accomplish, by the way. In 1991, the court ruled that, having reported the ghost's presence in both a national publication and the local press, the defendant is stopped to deny their existence. And as a matter of the law, the house is haunted. <laughs> Why is? I love it when the law gets twisted into some weird, crazy thing like that. It's just so absurd. This has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. Um, this one was a weird one. I, I mean, I like the unsolved ones, like, for the mystery, but it's also, like, I'd like to know who it was. <laughs> Well, that has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. Thank you so much for uh, watching or listening to the show, however you get it. Look, uh, check out our sponsor, Surfshark. Surfshark.deals forward slash criminalist. That helps support the show, and that's fantastic. Thank you for doing that. Um, What else? Yes, please do leave a review. If you're listening to this show and the platform you're listening to it on allows you to leave a review, that would be awesome. Also, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, there's a thumbs up button below that you can utilize. Also, a comment section, a subscribe button, all of that good stuff. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you next time.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.